In this episode, Travis Albritton shares how he tested God through his teen years and came to faith, and the story of this one time he attended a Christian conference and found his future wife. Now he's all about teaching Christians how to embody the word while being super practical. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Welcome to the show. This is episode 126. We are your co-hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams. Hey, and you know what? This week is leading up to Mother's Day. Um, yes, I have not forgotten that. that? Did you remember that? I, I, I remember. Okay, so what are you doing for me for Mother's Day? We'll see. You can wait till like Friday and figure it out. See what's left and then... Okay. Uh, what I hear there is you haven't <laughs> planned anything. So let me just give you the no, 411. I'm working on it with the girls. Go ahead. Get what what ideas you have. What okay. You I want it to be restful so that I don't have to do a lot of things. Uh-huh. And I want it to be fun. So hiking Everest is out for you. <sighs> not on Mother's Day. Maybe a different day. Okay. Just not Mother's Day. I want Mother's Day okay. to be restful. Does it involve receiving any cordless power tools, like a multi-tool kit, like a pack with like a drill and a saw? No, I think you're confusing that with Father's Day. But I would like some sort of relaxing uh, treatment, maybe a... What did didn't don't, last don't say anything specific. You gotta just hint. Okay, okay, hint. You get you and my favorite foods that would be good. I'll tell you too. what, being married to an Enneagram eight, like subtlety is not your strength. <laughs> subtlety of a brick? Yeah. Pretty much. Fly, right. Flying through the window. Yeah. All right. Well, you got the FYI now. So. Yeah. so what are you doing for Mother's Day? Think about it. Hope you have a great one. We will be enjoying some. Secret Relaxing things. things. <laughs> All right. Hey, the show is totally blown up. April was the biggest month we have ever had. Woo-hoo! Yeah, we're super excited and super grateful. And we are in more places than ever on Spotify and iTunes and iHeartRadio and Stitcher and Google Play and Libsyn and... On, on our website and all over the place. So thanks to all the new listeners, wherever you found us, we want to ask one favor of you. Listen to a few episodes and then drop a review on iTunes. This is so important. We say it at the end of every show, but we can't say it enough. Reviews help our show get found, which means other couples get inspired and encouraged and challenged to build a life, a love, and a legacy that matters. Legendary marriage, baby. All right, so this week, as in all weeks, on Thursday, we are live on Pillow Talk. Pillow Talk. 
Whoa, that was good. We should go with that. Every Thursday, 8 o'clock p.m. Central, we are live from our bedroom, usually. And yeah. it's just kind of a behind-the-scenes look at, you know, we're talking about the, this week's podcast, and we're also doing a check-in and teaching you guys how to do the same. So hit us up this week, Thursday, on our Facebook page, The Legendary Marriage Page. Speaking of the check-in. Yeah. This is something, if you've been around for a while, you've heard us talk about it. If you haven't been around, here we go. The sachet check-in. This is a simple, quick, powerful tool to start getting on the same page, building more intimacy and connection, and reinvigorating, reigniting, reawakening, re-whatevering your relationship, whether you're in the place where you're feeling like adversaries or you're feeling like you're in a great place. So... Uh, we've it's made a way this to start a good. Con- it's a way to start a great conversation, and it's a real quickie too. Yeah, you can get in a quickie whenever, whenever you Ooh, need to. It, a little play on right words. when you wake up in the morning, or right before you go to bed. A little afternoon delight. Little afternoon delight. Get a quickie in. Yeah. Do the check in. Legendary slash check in to download it, and you'll see that note in our show notes. All right, we hey. got Travis Albritton on the show today. Travis is a pastor and a podcaster. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with him. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I what love a great guy. I, I my listen for this in the show. The reason he met his wife was because he was glancing a look at her legs. I love it. How about did you ever do that to me, honey? What's that? I was looking at your legs when you said that. <laughs> Well, I am very tall, so maybe yes. his wife is really tall too. She's got some some killer. What are those called? Danielle has legs for days. Killer gams, isn't that what it's killer called? Killer gams. You got the gams. <laughs> All right, we're we're starting to derail. All right, let's get starting to our starting to. Let's get to our conversation with Travis Albritton. We are so happy to have Travis Albritton on the show today, and he is an author. Yes. He is a speaker. He is yes. a pastor. Yes. And he has his very own podcast. Yes. <laughs> He's all about hacking the Christian life, which I find amusing. Practical. Yeah. And making it practical. I am super excited to have Travis on the show. Welcome to the show, Travis. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm going to try and live up to that. Wonderful introduction that you just gave. Oh me. my gosh. All right, Travis. So you are in Jacksonville, Florida, and you have a lovely wife, Andrea, and a little tiny baby. And we are so excited to hear all about that. But yes. first of all, I want to start way back at the beginning. I'm talking when you were a kid. I want to hear about how you like the roots of how you got to be a pastor? Were you like a church kid or a pastor's kid? Or like, how did, what, how did yeah, that what was play life out like, as a kid? What was life like growing up? Well, I grew up and both my parents were devoted Christians. And so I kind of grew up in that world. Um, there was never really a point where I didn't think God existed, but there was definitely a period where I chose to ignore the fact that God existed because that was more convenient sure. through middle school sure. and high school and that kind of stuff. Um, and then I, in high school, some, some pretty dramatic shifts happened in my life where a lot of the things I was putting value in let me down. Oh, and, what were you putting value in? Well, oh, just yeah. relationships. Like I really value, as many high schoolers will attest, popularity is the, the ultimate attainable goal. If you can be one of the cool kids, 
Okay, were you a cool kid, Travis? I was I was a band nerd, so I had the the deck stacked okay. against me. Yeah, I was going to say wait, that took a turn. Yeah. Yeah, so you, I was a theater geek, so you know. You wanted, I, I feel you, brother. You wanted to be a cool kid, but you were the band geek. So Yeah, well, and and I would shift who I was depending on who I was around to try and gain their approval. Yeah. Right? And you can only do that so many times before you even start to lose a sense of who you are as a person. And then if the kind of house of cards that you've built up around who you are comes falling down, then you don't really have a lot to go on. You don't have a lot to move forward with. And so I, I reached that kind of critical point as a 16-year-old where I felt like everything that I'd put value in had turned out to be not the thing that was really, truly valuable. And so that's when I started actually getting serious about pursuing God and and really digging into the Bible and trying to learn what it meant to follow Jesus and you know, because I wasn't necessarily as concerned with just going to church because, you know, moral people were there and like it was a better audience. I was much more concerned with finding truth. And if that yeah. was God, the God of the Bible, then I was interested. And if it wasn't, then I wasn't. Um, and so I do to check that box so that you could try something else, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And so I was very I, I was not like stacking the deck in God's favor in that sense. It was you were all right, skeptical a little bit. Yeah. I was like, all right, God, I'll give you a shot. And if you're real, then I'll expect this. this sounds all too sense. familiar. <laughs> Did you have so, like a pros cons list? Like, okay, God, if you have enough things in this list, we'll go for it. <laughs> well, for me, so so I, I asked somebody who I knew to be like really a solid guy who understand the understood the Bible well to kind of walk me through it. So I wasn't just kind of aimlessly flailing yeah. through the Bible. Um, and, and what he encouraged me to do was as we were reading scriptures to try and put them into practice and see what kind of difference it made in the quality of my life, Mm. including stuff that was really difficult and stuff that didn't really make sense. You know, like the whole loving your enemies thing. It's not like advice you would necessarily read on Buzzfeed. Um, Okay. Okay. Travis, I gotta know (laughs) who was your enemy in high school? Cause I'm sure like the like the stereotypical like the band camp the the band group like you do you, do you have a bully kind of situation going on where there were people you just didn't like it it was more people that that would poke fun at me and make me feel bad about myself and i was like all right i i still have to like think kind thoughts about you too and actually be a good person around you and not just reciprocate the mm. the toxicity of the relationship that's tricky. Okay, what was yeah. the what was the decision about like girls and dating? Because what did the what did the Bible mentor have to say about that? Because at sixteen, I feel like that Man, what, is the crucial uh, conversation. So at that point, I mean, the girl thing became a question actually later on. But at that point in my life, I had completely kind of separated myself from from women altogether because they were they had become a lot of my consternation. I had put a lot of emphasis in who I was dating and how, you know, valuable they were in the eyes of others. And so when that kind of fell apart, I was like, okay, I'm not interested in getting my value from that at this point in time. Um, So that wasn't actually a part of the conversation. When I became a Christian later on, it was a lot about like, who do you choose to date? What kind of convictions do you need to have about your purity and how that's different than what's common with the people that aren't necessarily trying to follow Jesus. That's mm. so interesting. Like, I, I think it takes, it takes many men uh, into their midlife to realize that chasing the golden haired woman 
will never create that sense of of uh, fulfillment or identity. Wait, what's the golden-haired woman? Uh, kind of just a metaphor for women in general, like like looking to women for our worth, our our place in the world. Most okay. most guys, honest, was, if I'm okay. honest, most guys never get that. Like that we're we're and we fight with it. I mean, even still, to a certain degree. Um, you bagged and tagged me, honey. I don't think you need to. And it's, not, it's not about bagging and tagging. I was trying to set you up it's for... It's really not about bagging and tagging. I thought you were trying to... I, I am was setting not, you up for an innuendo. I am not going to go just... innuendo <laughs> on right now. Okay, so now, anyway, you're, now you're just making Travis uncomfortable. But I do want to know... Yeah, I'm making... Yeah. So, Travis, was there a girl that, like, burned you and then you said, okay, I'm not going to focus on girls anymore? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, I knew it. Okay, what was her name? We're going to call her out on the podcast. No. <laughs> Susie I mean, Smith, we're coming for you, girl. <laughs> so her name was Becca, and which, looking back, it's an interesting name to choose to go by. It's very kind of, I don't know, it just, it just seems like Rebecca. There's a lot of different ways you could take that. But, but yeah, so she was definitely kind of like, in the lead you on kind of game that was that was something she enjoyed was kind of having several guys kind of in her periphery all vying for her attention uh, and i got caught up in that and got burned by that pretty bad oh i feel like danielle's trying to take this to to like a, a maury povich show thing. no where she's just, any second now she's gonna go we just happen to have <laughs> becca on the line becca what do you say about that <laughs> <laughs> no but i'm always so curious like especially about like when you're talking about a teenage boy yeah. and like he swears off girls i'm like no there's got to be something else there okay so when you got going with your new mentor and he's kind of giving you the what's what of being a christian were you putting more in the pros or in the cons or like how did that kind of play out well so so like i said i went into it pretty pretty objectively like i wasn't necessarily looking for is this something that i'm wanting to commit to like my like i knew that if god was real and the god of the bible was real and that i would actually have to work at doing whatever god wanted me to do for me the decision was not about the amount i would have to change it was purely if this is true I feel like I don't have a choice. I have to figure out a way to make this work. Um, and so for me, that was never a part of the decision. It was truly like, if God is real and I'm honest with myself, I'm gonna and, go and, then, then I'm whatever it takes was kind of my mindset. Wow. Now, how did your parents encourage you with this? Because you said they both were like solid Christian people. Were they kind of like, Hey, figure it out for yourself, Travis, or you must be one of us or like, how did they do? So they were, I think looking back, uh, I can't imagine how they felt um, watching my life kind of my social life implode and wanting to be a support for me, but then also allow me to come to my own convictions and my own conclusions about God. Um, Cause especially as a new parent now, like I want nothing but for my child to yeah. become a Christian and so I, I can't even imagine the tension there. But they were very much like, we will support whatever you want to do. Um, but we, we want you to make this decision. And if you have any questions, if there's any way we can help you, 
we are here for you and we'll drive you to the guy's house to do Bible studies and stuff like that. Um, but they were much more like relying on the person I was going through the Bible with to kind of be that major influence, whereas they were just kind of being the, the, the pit crew for the NASCAR driver, so to speak. How, how did, what was your parents' parenting style? Was that, was that interaction reflective of it? A little bit. So, so my parents were definitely no nonsense about specific things, yeah. right? So disrespect was completely unallowed, sure. uh, physical violence. I, I have two younger brothers, so a house with three boys, five years and apart. There was no physical violence? Well, so, so that was the kind of thing that was like, okay, here's, here's a solid line in the sand. Um, yeah. but Just when they're not looking, punch the crap out of you. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, so, so they were very much more firm in specific things, but then also willing to have conversations about things that were, you know, had a little more gray area, right? So we could have a conversation about curfew time and we would have a discussion about why they wanted me home at nine. And I would basically submit my claims for why I should be able to be home at 11. And like that was a conversation. They won nine out of 10. Because ultimately they're like, all right, well, we're going to, you know, having this conversation, we're going to make this standard. But I felt like I was a part of that discussion process. Mm-hmm. And so I was a lot more amenable to it um, than if they had just said, here are the list of rules that thou shalt and thou shalt not do yeah. in order to continue to get food and clothing. That is so interesting to me because my experience growing up, my parents were very hands off in, in a lot of ways. Like there, there was a lot of like, I knew the rules and everything, but like curfews and things like that. Like, I don't think I ever had a curfew. It was like, when are you going to be home? Like, they just wanted to know. I could say 3 a.m. and they'd be like, okay. <laughs> or my mom would look at me with one eyebrow raised. Like, really? Why is that? I said, oh, we're, we're going to, we're going to the casino or I don't, I don't <laughs> we're know. We're going to the casino. <laughs> We're going to get hookers and I can't be back before three. Come on. No, they don't put the good ones out early. So, so to hear, it's always interesting to me, hear other guys talking about that. Cause I just assumed like, that's how boys are raised, right? Like you just go be feral and, and do your thing. And if you say you're going to be home at 3am, you better be home at 3am because if you're home at 304, you're in trouble. And uh, I'm so like, I'm like in Travis's parents. Yeah, thing. Like, yeah. I feel like you got to own it. Otherwise, like, like you said, with your faith or with your curfew or whatever, like you have to take some ownership over it. Yeah. Otherwise it's just like this fake thing or something. Well, okay. and they weren't, they weren't just interested in being police officers of the house. Yeah. Like they wanted a genuine relationship and they wanted me to understand the why behind the rules, the why behind, you know, why is curfew a thing? Well, statistically there are more drunk drivers on the road after dark than during the daytime. So they want me to not die in a car crash. That makes sense. When yeah. you walk through that whole conversation, now I'm much more on board about nine o'clock versus you guys are just trying to hold me back, trying to make it so I don't have any fun. You know, if, if that dialogue isn't there, then you never connect the dots, especially yeah. as, you know, a teenager, you, you know, much less than you think that you do. Um, and so it benefits you to be able to <laughs> hear the wisdom of your parents. Sure. My dad would would say that like, all right. As soon as we, my, my circle, my, my group started driving, it was, all right, boys, watch out for the drunks. I'm like, okay. Not come home early. He would say it like we could be headed out someplace uh, on a summer, on a 
Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. To the church right, boys, prayer meeting. Watch out for the drunks. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's 10 o'clock on a Tuesday. What are you talking about? He's like, all the more reason. All the more reason. You never know what's going to happen. So, so life growing up and then you met a girl. We always love to hear the story about how y'all met in the first place. So it's actually really funny because so during the summer, some different, we met during college. I was uh, just ending my sophomore year of college and she had actually just graduated um, from her undergrad. And so we were a part of linked but separate college ministries where I was in Auburn, Alabama, and she was up in Knoxville, Tennessee. But we were at this like one week, like college ministry intensive program. It was like a training program um, in Atlanta. And so I was one of the team leaders. I was kind of helping shepherd people around and, and kind of, they would split up this huge group of college students into more manageable bite-sized teams. And I'm walking into the first session and I, and I sit down next to this, this woman and I'm just like looking at my notebook and, and just kind of glancing over things before we get started. And out of the corner of my eye, I, I see her, I see her, her legs and I'm like, wow, this sister has some incredible calf muscles. Very <laughs> you're just muscles. looking down. So right. Just, yeah. And so then, so I'm like, she must play soccer or something. Right. Um, but that was like the, the first thing that I saw was her, was her leg. And, and then I'm like, okay, I mean, she's kind of, she's kind of cute. Like, let me, let me like, see if I can sneakily see her name tag and see if she's in my group without like having to, you know, break the ice and, and risk being awkward. Lo and behold, she was. So out of like 200 people, she was in my group of 10. Um, and so, so I met her later on that day officially. And then the very next day, asked her to go on a group date with some other friends and stuff. So that was how I met Andrea. And what was funny was going into that kind of training week, we would have discussions with the leaders like, all right, you are not here to find your future spouse. You're here to learn about how to make disciples <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Like if that happens, great, but don't make that the focus and distract from why you're really here. So that really, was like my This mindset. is where all my people are. To which, so to why would you I want to say as, as a you know, <laughs> 18, 20 year old, whatever you want to go. Yeah, that's buddy, a nice sure. idea. Yeah, that's a nice idea. <laughs> So, so it worked. So that's how we met. And then we dated long distance for a couple of years um, before we ended up in the same place and, and, and got married. Okay. Wow. I think that like, I'm going to go on a tangent here, but I think whoever said that is doing people a huge disservice yeah. because like, I think more and more the mindset of people like going into college is like, I'm just gonna, you know, like sow my wild oats and whatever. And it's like, there are never going to be more people that are there in to, the proximity in and the proximity the and like interests and everything. Yeah. yeah that you're going to be able to pick from than when you're in college. I, like, I mean, Danielle's Danielle is worth the, the six and a half years of tuition. <laughs> You're still paying for it. I'm still paying for it. <laughs> that's I pay that's for a, it every day. I was paying for it right before we got on this call. 
<laughs> that's a heck of a, a dating thing. But no, I really, I really don't like that message. Yeah. But yeah, I know what you're saying is like you're here to learn and blah blah. Bloody blah. <laughs> Come on, people. These I are think, like, I if you're think looking, there might be somewhere in between. Here. But if you're looking for a, a nice Christian like wife that's of similar mindset, like, and you have like hundreds of people that are there to pick from, hello. It worked out in my favor, regardless. Right. Yeah, I was very happy right. with it. So, does she still have rocking legs? Is what I want to know. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. She plays flag football. She is awesome. Nice. Okay. I like her already. So how did you, you meet this girl, you sneak a peek at her name tag, which can be, a, can become an very awkward thing very quickly <laughs> if you're not careful. And, and, and then what? Well, so then once we met, like I, I knew her name and we kind of introduced ourselves in like a group setting that next morning I approached her and was like having a conversation with her and was like working on like a group date with some other people. So it'd be more casual and, and less pressure and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so just to say, Hey, do you want to come hang out? We're going on this big group date on Thursday. So this is on a Tuesday. I asked her and she was like, yeah, sure. Um, and the date went really well. And so I thought, all right, this girl has potential. So I need to like really make a solid first impression. So then I wrote her a thank you card for letting me take her on a date. Whoa. Oh, nice. So that was like was a little businessy. Uh, but it's like, yeah. I want, I want to make sure that the signal is being sent that I am very much interested. Um, I didn't want there to be any kind of confusion there. So there's, there's that season in a relationship where, where a very interested means one thing. And then there's a, there's a switch where, um, it's like, okay, uh, this is, this is the real deal. I am in this. She's the one or he's the one. Uh, when did that happen for you? It took about a year. I think of us dating long distance. Um, I was very much kind of in the frame of mind of I'm looking for someone very much looking for someone to like want to settle down with. Um, and we had been dating for long distance for a year. So the decision was really, if we if we want to even talk about getting married, we have to eventually come to the same place, yeah. you know, be in the same city. So the two were almost intertwined because we were dating long distance. We were having consistent conversations about kind of where do you see this relationship going? And so, so in that sense, it was nice because we were both kind of on the same page from a rather early point in our relationship. That had to be intentional because yeah. otherwise, why are you doing some long distance relationship? If it's a throwaway, like, Hey, I just am attracted to you. It's not worth the effort. Right. And so much of our relationship was built over the phone. And so because of that, we really bonded over the conversations that we had with each other. It wasn't, you know, because we were seeing each other all the time and getting like the butterflies and, you know, Oh, she looks so attractive today. And it was very much more connecting on like a personal level. And, and, and this, having that be the foundation of a relationship that made it easier to say, all right, I'm willing and able and ready to kind of take this to the next level if there's a mutual interest there. You and your spouse could be just one conversation away from becoming soulmates. Whoa, honey, that's a big promise. I know, but I'm making it. All right, but we have been using this one simple, powerful tool for almost a decade. It's radically transformed our relationship and hundreds of other marriages too. Yes. You see, in the chaos and busyness of everyday life, we all get wrapped up 
in these five second conversations. Did you take out the trash? What? Did you schedule a doctor's appointment? Yes. Did you get their milk on the way home? What? No. Wait. Who? What? See, why are you I doing mean, this to we me? Get stuck in those five second <laughs> conversations. I'm having a little a little moment here now. Uh, but the truth is that more intimacy and connection begins with more conversations that matter. And that's what the Sashay Check-In Guide is all about. All right. So get your free copy of our guide, From Roommates to Soulmates, How to Create More Intimacy and Connection in Your Marriage in Five Minutes Without Awkwardness or Ugly Fights Using the Sashay Check-In. You can get your copy today at legendarymarriage.com slash check-in. And now back to the show. Especially since we've gotten engaged and gotten married, I've seen all these crazy videos of people doing ridiculous things for proposals. Um, yeah. Ours wasn't quite at that like YouTube level, um, but there is a there was a place in Atlanta uh, where there's a coffee shop right on the Chattahoochee River, and it overlooks like this really well manicured lawn. And it's very picturesque, and so uh, so I went up to Atlanta to talk to her dad and ask for permission to propose so she knew that that happened but then i left and went back to auburn which is only like two hours away and so she was expecting a proposal three or four months later because that was kind of the time frame that we had talked about uh but i had a i had already bought the ring it was burning a hole in my pocket so said we're gonna we're gonna do this now we're just gonna go ahead and get the ball rolling um so (laughs) i i drove back up there three days later and had and had her best friend reach out and be like, hey, do you want to go hang out at like this coffee shop place? She was like, sure. So she rolls up in like sweats, hair in a ponytail with a baseball hat on, wearing glasses. And normally she wears contacts. And so not like looking her best, quote unquote. Um, but but I was there like right on the river with a all... Tuxedo. And- I, was, I was wearing a nice shirt. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and then... Uh, I had gotten a photographer to to take oh, pictures, no. and uh, I had arranged for like a bunch of our friends to be like up at the coffee shop, which was up the hill. Um, and then when she came down, I actually read her like a letter, like a poem, because I wanted to make sure that like I remembered everything I wanted to say. And and so that's how we got engaged. And so that was really cool, really cool moment. And afterwards, she was actually like, "Let me see that thing that you wrote," because I couldn't. I wasn't actually hearing any of the words that you said. I was just like, this is really happening and and just really excited about and it. Here's your souvenir for the occasion. Exactly. I printed out to the copy for you. <laughs> okay. So so you guys, you get married, and obviously, so you're a pastor. You must have made the decision that, you know, you were on the the team with God. You guys are like best buds and so you're like <laughs> so you're like hey i might as well do this pastor thing like how did you go from questioning to like i think i'm going to be a pastor so for me the transition happens actually around the same time that i met andrea so my degree is in aerospace engineering um and so that was kind of what i was pursuing but at the same time i was also uh leading a campus ministry at my college and so, so I kind of had a foot in both worlds, but I really felt God calling me into that, that type of ministry, being full-time in the ministry. Um, and so, so when I got out of college, I actually just spent a year before I started 
working as an engineer, just focused on doing ministry and did some fundraising and things like that to be self-supported. Um, and that was kind of my first taste of doing that full time. Um, but it was something that I had developed a love for and appreciation for. And so it wasn't hard for me to want to lean into that over kind of my traditional training that I had done for, for my engineering degree. Mm, I like it. So do you still do any of the, um, aerospace engineering? I was working as an engineer up until last summer. So, so I was working as an engineer and then serving, uh, in my local church, wherever we were living in, um, kind of in my spare time. And then last summer I was able to start working for a podcast company full time, which has then freed up a lot more time for me to focus on doing ministry, both with my personal ministry and then just investing in my local church. Okay. So what made you want to start a podcast? So you've got a couple years as a podcaster. Um, I, and I love the idea of it being like practical tips and hacks for Christians, so, which by the way, the, the name of Travis's podcast is The Practical Christian. Yeah. Sorry. Did I scoot, did I scooch over that? <laughs> That's yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, the Practical Christian. Okay. What was, what made you get into um, podcasting? So I had, so I was still working as an engineer, um, but I had a desire to do ministry. But the more that I was kind of serving, the more I started to, kind of figure some things out as far as like my lane, the things that I did best, the things that were really fulfilling to me, because there's full-time ministry is a really emotionally draining job. Um, And so, yes. And you have to work like 20 lanes at once. (laughs) 12 years of of that. that, And I can agree wholeheartedly. That is the thing with pastors is like, they're expected to be like, CEOs and like every number on the Enneagram and, you know, like go to the hospital and visit people that are dying and run the kids ministry and like all these crazy things that like not everybody can do. So, um, so what did you find out was your lane or your strength? So I figured out that the, the gift that I felt was my strongest was teaching. And so, so not necessarily preaching, but teaching, like really digging yeah. into something, making it easier to explain and understand for, mm. for people. Right. So basically taking my engineering mind and applying it to studying the Bible and what it means to follow Jesus and then making that understandable. And so, so I was starting to explore different ways of potentially making a living from that, that wasn't tied to being on staff with the church. Um, cause, cause another thing that happens when you're a full-time ministry is there's actually, many people don't know this, there's a lot of volatility in your employments. It's very rare for someone to be on staff at the same church for more than four to five years at a yeah. time. Um, and so I wanted, my, my wife was not interested in moving all the time. Um, and so since we were a unit now, I couldn't just go off and do whatever I wanted at her yeah. expense. And so, so the podcast was a part of a kind of broader exploration of what is it that I'm really, really good at. And then I would do for free forever. Um, like if I didn't have to work, what would I choose to do? And then is there a way for me to make a living doing that so I can do that full time and not have to work a nine to five job? Mm -hmm. And so I started exploring doing things like online courses and content creation. So I started getting into like the digital marketing 
world and trying to figure out what would it be like to create an online business and, and all those kind of things. And the podcast was essentially the thing that I wanted to be free forever. Like I didn't want the only things that I did to be paid. I wanted most of the, the content that I created to be free because that was much more important to me in the long term than making money off of yeah. you know my experiences and the things that God had taught I me. I feel like there's so much baggage um, in the church around like, okay, make money at something that you're good at. Like for some pastors, that's almost like a, now isn't that sinful? Like, because, you know, you're trying to make money and I'm like, where does that come from? I don't know. Well, that is certainly a mindset. And I had to work through that early on because I was getting a lot of pushback from people in and out of the ministry. So people that were in full-time ministry were like, no, 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 you shouldn't, you should make that course available for free. You shouldn't ask people to pay for that. Um, And then other people outside of the ministry being like, yeah, that all needs to be free. And I'm sitting here thinking like, I got to pay web hosting fees. Like, where's that money going to come from? Um, That's nicer than my response. (laughs) But, but somebody really helped me work through that. Somebody else who was also doing some kind of paid stuff. And he, he helped me understand that most people, when they think about full-time ministry, it looks a very specific way, right? That, that we are putting money in an offering plate, knowing that some of that is going to pay for your bills. So you don't have to pick up a side job. You can just focus on doing church stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was essentially trying to make that same yeah. support transaction happen without the tradition and the, the familiarity of the offering plate, right? It was, here's this, you know, six-week video course that you can purchase if you think it would be helpful for you. And that will in turn kind of take the place of that, that third-party transaction. But that, that was a very foreign concept to a lot of people that were first interacting with my ministry. And so I had to have like a really strong number one, biblical conviction about what the Bible says about getting yeah. paid for doing spiritual work, but then also be okay with knowing that not everyone is going to be on board or supportive of what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's totally fine. As long as I know that as far as God is concerned, he's happy with what I'm doing and that I know that my intent is in the right place, that I'm not just taking advantage of people that are in a vulnerable position. When I, when I left my, my, uh, ministry job and started coaching. I went through the same kind of a thing. And it was, it, it took me until I saw the results, the difference. And it, it I, I've believed to the tips of my toes. Um, we need skin in the game to create transformation. People need skin in the game to create transformation. And I look at the, at the over a decade I spent working in ministry in churches and the work that I did with men and women and couples there and what the fruit of it was compared to the men and women and couples that I've worked with over the last decade and the exponentially greater fruit there. Like it's, it's in our culture. (laughs) We need skin in the game and that skin is money. Well, and when you make an investment in yourself and you say, I'm, I'm not just saying that I want to do this if it's convenient, but I am going to put whatever kind of resources I need in order to fix this problem. You're so much more motivated to follow through because not only are you purchasing something that you expect to be more valuable than what you put in, right? Yeah. If you pay a hundred dollars for a course, you expect to get more than a hundred dollars of value back. But once you've made that investment, you don't want it to go to waste. And so it gives it that extra piece of motivation to get you to watch the next video, to actually finish 
whatever program, whatever coaching you signed up for to get the transformation you were hoping for when you bought it initially. And so it definitely serves as that kind of like accountability partner in a sense. Right. Whereas if it was free, then, you know, you can, you can quit at any time. Sure. Yes. But don't unsubscribe to this podcast because that is not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> um, so Travis, you had to take many leaps of faith along the way. Um, what like going out of the the mainstream where you know probably a lot of your um, peers were going to work for a church and you know like that you're moving to a different city and all these things. Um, Tell me about some of those times when you just really had to lean into like a leap of faith. So there's one that really sticks out and it it coincides with probably the most intense moment in my marriage as well. So this is like a nice nexus point of several things we've been talking about. Um, So I was uh, working uh, as an engineer in Savannah, Georgia, and my wife and I were very connected and invested in the local church. I think at one point we were leading three different ministries in addition to both of us working full time. And so, and that was simply because the church was a smaller church. You know, it's just kind of like next man up, everyone has to pitch in or things fall apart, you know? And we only had like one person partially on staff. And so there wasn't even any really paid leadership to help provide a lot of the vision and stuff. Mm. So we were working a lot. We were doing lots of things, lots of good things. I think many of us can relate to just being busy consistently. Um, So we were in that place doing lots of things that we felt great saying yes to. But in that period of time, we went from being a married couple to being roommates, right? Where we're living in the same place, but we're just ships passing in the night and not really maintaining the emotional relational connection that we needed to. So, so we were just kind of, you know, blindly continuing in that path and then all of a sudden I got laid off from my job, which was like, whoa, that's, Uh-oh. that was not expected. Yeah. That was there. not a, that was not a fun conversation to come home on a Thursday and say tomorrow after tomorrow, I have a lot of time off probably for the foreseeable future. Um, so, so in that process, a lot of things started to come to the surface and, and I was very much like, okay, this is an opportunity to potentially make some kind of shift. You know, often God doesn't kind of smoothly transition us from one place to another. It's, it's a very abrupt start and stop. And, yeah. and I knew from past experiences that it would be better for us if we went with the flow instead of trying to fight and swim upstream. And do you have those moments? Do. <laughs> do you have those moments in a transition like that where you kind of look back and realize, okay, I, I think God is, God is continually kind of prompting me, presenting me with this opportunity, this, this new thing. And I just kept kind of going, eh, you know, I'm, I'm okay here. And then he finally just kind of like kicks you out like a, like a bartender at 2 a.m. Well, I definitely think like for our, looking back at our marriage and where our marriage was at, that was definitely what this was. Yeah. It was definitely a wake up call because what happened was we were in two very different places. Mm. We had very different expectations and we weren't talking about them. We weren't talking about what kind of jobs I was applying for and what my mindset was. I was, I was very much casting a very wide net, applying all over the Southeast United States for anything I could get because that was preferable to being homeless. And my, yeah. we'd only been living in Savannah for a little over a year. So 
So whereas I'm very gregarious and I get along with everyone and make friends very quickly, my wife takes a little more time to develop those kind of deeper relationships. And so she had just settled in Savannah. It was not interested in leaving. And so I was praying specifically that God would open a door and make it very clear where he wanted us to live. Yeah. And that was my mindset. And her, her prayers were keep us in Savannah at all costs. So naturally God couldn't, God couldn't answer oh. both of those simultaneously. He's like, y'all need to talk because I'm getting some mixed signals from you. Well, we'll drop and, you halfway in between. <laughs> well, and what ended up happening was, you know, we had an initial conversation. We weren't on the same page. So I said, okay, I'm just going to kind of do this on my own and just let her know after the fact what the plan is. Right. So that's kind of how far apart we had grown. Um, and it actually got to the point where I accepted a job in a city I had never been to, in a city we neither of us had lived in, and then told her that I accepted the job when we were moving in the next month or two. And how did that work out for you? So it didn't help that I was laying on the couch watching Netflix when she came in. <laughs> this is going to go very badly. So she walks in the door from her job because she's still working. Well, yeah. good. And, yeah. and, and I said, hey, babe, I accepted a, a job in Jacksonville. And she, she looked at me with this face. It was like a mixture of confusion and like controlled rage. And she said, <laughs> and, you didn't think, iPad. and you didn't think that we should talk about that first before <laughs> you accepted the job. And I went from elation thinking she's going to be so excited that I'm not unemployed anymore to I just really screwed up like big time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that like really revealed a lot of weaknesses and holes and shortcomings in our relationship that we... And she's like, I do have a job here at Savannah. <laughs> <laughs> Forget that part of the memo. <laughs> yeah. So, so then both of us were kind of like then taking a leap of faith together into Jacksonville, but then also just t- taking a leap of faith because as I started my engineering job, that's when kind of these ideas of wanting to do ministry on the side started to come up, started to bubble up. And so then it was, okay, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about me investing all of my not work time that we're also not spending together building something that will more than likely fail? How do you feel about that? Um, And we had to work through that. We had to get a lot of counseling, a lot of help, get with couples and things like that. But um, you know, and, and then even really just figure out what are our expectations and, and create a new communication system and standard and foundation so that those things wouldn't happen again, where I'm accepting a job in another city and then telling her afterwards. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of, shifts did, what kind of shifts did you guys make to come back together? You said you, you know, got some advice from counselors and other couples and stuff. Like what sort of changes did you guys make? So for one... Uh, both of us have veto power over the other person's commitments. So like if I'm committed to some ministry activity or a hobby or getting with somebody and she says, no, I need you home for some reason, she has full authority to pull the veto card at any point in time. And that's just something that we communicate like as a reaction and as a learning experience from our own kind of marriage relationship. Um, We go to at least one marriage retreat every year even if our marriage is doing great, we still commit to doing that. Um, 
and then we go we before we had our our daughter we would go out of town one or two times a month and just do weekend trips just the two of us just to make sure that that was kind of the foundation of our relationship was spending time together and not just like coordinating our schedules over iCalendar. Um, so, so those were like the really tangible things that we did. Now that we have a daughter, we're having to get kind of creative with how we do that. So we still have weekly date nights. We will still get babysitters and do that kind of stuff. Um, but we're very, very much focused on our relationship being the most important relationship in both of our lives and then not allowing whether it's ministry or work or hanging out with friends or hobbies, any of that to supersede the importance of making sure that we're rock solid. I love that you guys still do date nights too, because I feel like, especially in those early years, like your child is not even one year old yet. And you're already, you know, setting the schedule that, Hey, once a week, mom and dad are not going to be here and you're going to stay with a babysitter and that's okay. And it's good for you. And at that point, so, they're just like, I don't really care as long as somebody feeds me and gets me out of the crappy diaper. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yep. But I really think like at a young age like that, we always had friends that would marvel over like, how can you bring your kids to such and such? And then they sleep in some stranger's guest room or something like that to go to bed. And I'm like, because we've been doing that since she was a baby. Yeah. Like you, like you know, what she spent her first couple nights in the hospital, not at the, not at our house. Like what? Yeah. She, they can do, they've spent in, you know, people's closets. They've, you know, <laughs> that just, sounds much worse than it is. Our daughter used to sleep in the window of our RV when we traveled the U S for that six months. That sounds pretty bad too. Okay. What else could sound really bad about? What I don't know. I think let's, let's not give them any more. <laughs> okay. Evidence. Well, Travis, maybe don't do that with your baby, but, um, <laughs> so it has been amazing having you on the show. I want to know um, about your podcast because I'm sure yeah. our listeners Tell are us curious. About the show and how it's doing and, and what you're offering and everything. Because uh, I think I've listened to a few of the episodes and I really just love the, the practicality and the, the pragmatism and just the, like, here's an idea and something to do with it. And so much of, so much of the podcast, the Practical Christian Podcast was born out of that time of, I want to... Cons- continue to still use my talents to serve in my ministry, but I can't do it the same way I used to do it, mm-hmm. right? Just threw more time at it. So I had to become much more efficient with the things that I was doing. Yeah. And, and it, it was, so I had to lean practical. I had to lean. That's great that we're talking about doing X, Y, and Z. How is that going to work? And can I do that in 45 minutes a week? And so that was kind of how I started to approach everything I was doing just to be more efficient with my time. Yeah. And so the Practical Christian Podcast is, is basically how do you take these fundamental truths that you see in scripture and apply them in a nine to five plus kids plus soccer practice kind of life? Sure. Um, Cause it's nice to hear great things on Sunday, but if you can't connect that to what you're actually going to do with it, then it just remains ideas and knowledge that you have, but it doesn't actually yeah. help you in any significant and way. And I think that's important. Like Sundays, Sunday, you know, preaching can, can inspire people. Sure. And I think we need that, that dose of inspiration, motivation, e- equipping, but, but without, you're right without, okay, now what am I going to do with it? It doesn't, it doesn't evoke transformation. Here. 
Yeah. So um, you are the Practical Christian Podcast and people find you there. How about your socials? So uh, the best place to find me is actually my podcast Facebook group. If you just type in Practical Christian Podcast on Facebook, you can find me there. I also have a Travis Albritton Facebook page that you can go and follow. And I've been doing live videos and and kind of bringing together some other resources into a single place. Uh, So those would be the two best places to find me. Awesome. Travis, well, it has been a distinct joy to have you on the show today. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. I love how Travis was kind of testing God. Like, I think you're there, but if you're on my team, like we need to go through this pro con situation here and I need to figure this out. Do you realize that pretty much every time we come back from the interview, you say, I love how. Well, I love all our guests. It's very true. Do you know I have like, okay, this is going to sound weird, but I have like a love affair with our guests. I feel like every time I feel like every time someone comes on the show, they're our new best friend and I love it so much. Let's bring this up in our next counseling session. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Travis talks about like his season of really like testing God. Is this right for me? So here's my question for the talk about it segment of the show. And now the talk about it segment of the show. Each week we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. All right. So if you could ask God any question and you get the right answer, what would the question be? All right. So you're going to talk about Is he going to answer? God? Yeah. Well, I mean, probably if you like listen really well. But I mean, that's, is that the premise of the question, of the, the discussion question? I think the pr- like if you could ask God any question and he would answer, what would you ask him? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Why are you trying to get, why are you trying to trick me I up just want to be clear because I, because I well, think asking questions is easy. Asking questions when you're going to get an answer, that's a whole different thing. Well, the beauty of the talk about a segment of the show is you can have those kind of little tricky ins and outs yeah. with your spouse and you can get to know a little mm. bit more about what are they wondering about. What are they wondering So about? whether you're really yes. going to get an answer or not is really not the point of this talk about it yeah. segment. It's just to get and to know your, your question better. might change from season to season or day to day. So have fun with that. Mm-hmm. That's all for today's show. As always, we are talking about all the hot topics from the podcast and so much more over in our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation. It's over at legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash one, two, six. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show so that we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Oh my gosh, honey. All right. Thanks for listening to the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you. Don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.